Hello, everyone. I'd like to welcome you back to the Bite Size Learning Podcast presented by professional Oklahoma educators. I'm Jason Bings, the Director of Professional Learning at POE and the host of this podcast. Several weeks ago, we surveyed members of POE about some of the struggles or some of the questions they were having with technology and several of the questions centered around grading. So in this episode, we're going to focus just on grading in a technology-infused classroom. Now, when it comes to grading, there are a few camps of people. There are those that think you need to grade everything and give detailed feedback on every item graded. There are others that assign classwork and homework every day and only grade periodically to meet some prerequisite number of grades determined by board policy. Personally, I'm of the mindset that if it's worth assigning, it's worth grading. What that grading looks like is going to vary depending on the type of assignment, but the point is I want there to be meaning in what I assign and I want there to be value in the grading I give. If I don't grade something, it sends a message to my students that what I assigned to them that day was not important enough for me to assess or provide feedback on. Now when I'm grading, I also need to be clear and consistent and also concise in my grading practices. The more complex my grading policy, the greater the chance of error and confusion. And so if I've got all these different multipliers for tests versus homework and daily work and in-class assignments and out-of-class assignments, the more complex that gets, the harder it is for students and parents to understand and the more explaining you're going to need to do. So the simpler, the better. If I use a rubric, it needs to focus on the objective being taught and it needs to have clearly defined targets. It doesn't need to have targets or objectives unrelated to the standards being taught that day or that week, depending on the type of assignment. For example, if I'm talking about the laws of motion, my rubric categories need to be focused on that objective and not on design elements like the number of slides in the presentation or the background graphics or anything like that. It needs to focus on the learning objectives. And we could spend an entire episode talking about rubrics So I'm really going to save that topic for another time. When we talk about grading, we first need to decide which type of grading system we have in place already. Are we looking at a traditional grading system with standard point values from 0 to 100? Are we using a standards-based grading system with some sort of proficiency score, or is it some hybrid of the two? I'm not going to spend time outlining the benefits of the different grading systems. I have my personal preferences and I'd be glad to explain them to you at some point, but that's not really what we're supposed to be focusing on in this episode. One thing that I have to keep in mind is that grading is a communication tool. It is a way for me to share with the students and parents if the learning goal has been met. It's a way for me to strengthen relationships with students and families. Part of that communication is if the student has met the learning goal, But what about if the student hasn't met the goal? We need further communication to determine what can be done to help them meet that objective. And this is where relationship building can take place. As educators, our goal is content mastery. If our students are not mastering the content, we need to reevaluate what 
and how we are teaching them. I suspect that many of you are asking about grading because you're not sure how to grade some of the work you're receiving and then return it to students or you're asking because you want to make the grading process automatic uh, so there's increased efficiency in the whole process. Now if you're using Google Classroom or Edmodo or some other learning management system or LMS you can do some simple grading within that system and make it automatic. So these are great for small formative assessments. Now our ultimate goal is for students to know the material, obviously. Uh, we should be assessing learning throughout the process. So if we let the students work and work and work and then wait until the very end of the unit or the end of the section to complete the assessment, the assessment becomes punitive at that point. So if we want to really encourage and facilitate learning, we should be assessing throughout the lesson, throughout the unit or the activity. So this requires questioning during the lesson, which is easier to do face-to-face. -face. So trying to figure out ways to work that in if you're in a virtual environment gets a little bit more challenging. Now, if we follow this mindset of assessing um, throughout the process, Sometimes this can result in fewer homework assignments and more in-class activities so that you can closely monitor the learning process. And in a virtual assignment or a virtual environment, you're oftentimes delivering content asynchronously. So you may not have the option of monitoring throughout the lesson because your students may be accessing the lesson at different times. But if we are in an asynchronous environment or if we are in an online environment we can still do this constant informal assessment we just have to break our assignments up in smaller chunks and pieces so if you would normally provide information for 10 minutes and then pause and check for understanding you can do the same thing in a digital format so if the ultimate goal is to teach to mastery you're still going to provide the information and then you can give a short little quiz or a quick assessment activity that can grade itself and that way you've got some of this monitoring going on throughout the process. At this point if the students haven't met the minimum you have set for mastery they've got the option to go back and review and take the assessment again. And so if you set your assessments up where they can take it multiple times and you take the best grade and do that throughout the process, you're going to get that, that review and that mastery that you're, that you're looking for. So your lesson could be a 10-minute demonstration of how to work a particular type of math problem. Then you would follow up with maybe a few practice problems. If they meet the mastery level that you've set, they can move on to the next section. And if they don't, you could have them watch that previous demo video again, or what you can do is have a second video that explains a little differently with a new example. And this is probably a better option than making them go back and watch the, the first video again. Watching the first video again is kind of like the same mentality of, well, if they didn't get it the first time, I'm just going to say it louder and slower. That doesn't work, so we need to shift over and, and offer it in a different manner, a different um, model. 
And so giving that second example in a little different format is going to work better for you. So after they've watched that second video, go back and give them a few more practice problems. And if they've reached mastery level at this point, then they can move on. At what point do you need to stop and quit giving different examples? I would say after that second example, if they're still struggling, that's when you need to have some individual meeting time with that student to try to work out that schedule or that, that situation, that struggle that they're having. So that may mean that after the second one, if they haven't mastered it, you have it set up within your system for them to schedule a time to meet with you virtually or in person, depending on, on your environment at the time. This way you can try to go through and diagnose what, what they're actually struggling, struggling with and give them some opportunity to give you some verbal feedback in there. And then you can go back, have them review again. So this gets the personalization in there that gets the relationship building that you need. All of this is, is beneficial and necessary, but not necessary on every lesson always and not with every student. Now another option that you can do when you have students showing work is to have them send a video response of the work that they're doing so they can record with their phones, send that to you so you can see where they might be struggling and kind of pinpoint exactly what they need help with. Okay, so another question that may be on your mind about grading in an online environment is dealing with cheating. So how can you be sure students won't cheat? Well, in, in a traditional classroom, it's a concern there as well. And in that traditional environment, you're constantly monitoring your students. Same thing has to happen in a digital environment, but your monitoring is going to look a little different. Cheating is something that students are going to try to do. They'll try to figure out ways to do it, no matter what safeguards you have in place. So there are multiple approaches to this dilemma. One option is to require a lockdown browser during assessments. Now I can tell you from experience that many of these browsers can actually cause more stress for test takers than you want to pass on to your students. Now if your users have an older computer or they have low bandwidth, those lockdown browsers can cause even more problems. Also, if you're allowing them to use personal devices, you may not want to require them to install outside software on a personal computer. If you're using school-owned devices, you can push out software to accomplish this and be well within your rights as a school district to do so. If you're using Google Classroom and Chromebooks, there is a way to use the locked mode, which prevents students from browsing other websites or opening any other apps until they complete the quiz they're working on. So this is accomplished by making a quiz in Google Forms. Then in the settings, you mark the checkbox next to turn on locked mode. If your quiz or assignment asks students to access outside resources, you're not going to be able to use this feature though. Maybe at some point, Google will modify this so that you can whitelist certain websites so they can, they can go to those, but right now that's not a feature that's available. Alright, so in a digital environment, you can see that there are many 
many options for grading assignments. If you're wanting automatic grading and instant results for your students, then the multiple choice quiz builders or games may be the best option. And these can be found in most of the learning management systems or LMS platforms. They can also be found in some of the learning games and quiz sites like Kahoot or Quizlet and some of which allow you to offer them in a synchronous and asynchronous format. So you could do it during live instruction or you could do it as part of an assignment or review where they work through some of the material then they log on and you can check the results later. Also make sure you're taking advantage of the resources provided by your textbook company. Uh, many of them will have self-grading practice sets that you can use as part of your instructional process. Now I do want to make it very clear that none of these auto grading techniques can ever take the place of that personal connection you need to make with the material your students submit. If you're not reviewing their work and offering feedback throughout the process, then the grading has very little value to the student. In my opinion, your best option is to take the time to review the work as the students are working on it, not after they've finished. So one way you can accomplish this is to create a document template in, in Google Docs that you will assign in Google Classroom. When you assign the work to the student, choose the option to make a copy for each student in Classroom. This will give them their own copy to work on, and as soon as they open the file, you'll be able to open the file to view their work. You can make comments throughout the assignment uh, and, and offer suggestions and edits as you go. So you're giving that, that real-time feedback to them. So one option, if you've done this, is at the start of class each day, you would open up that folder for that class and then open those files. So you could have multiple tabs open and be working through and switching tabs to check in on their work. Now this will work for any doc, any Google Sheet, any Google Slide you assign to students. These may not really be the solutions you were looking for, and they're certainly not a magic wand to solve your grading problems. My hope is that they will help you find some middle ground that offers quick grading options in conjunction with holding true to authentic feedback and grading. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. Please share and comment to let us know how we can help you and others. You may leave your comments in your podcatcher of choice, but to guarantee we receive them in a timely manner, go to bit.ly bit.ly slash bite-sized-pod and complete the form there. That's bit.ly slash bite-sized-pod and complete the form. If you would like to schedule a professional learning session for your school or an online meeting, you can send an email to pd at apoe.org. If you would like more information about professional Oklahoma educators, check out our website, www.apoe.org. You can find links to this podcast and blog under the Resources tab or by going to poebitesizedlearning.blogspot.com. POE can also be found on Facebook at apoe.org and on Twitter at prof.okla.edu.